one of our favorite sayings in the fast lane is multiple truths can exist at once, which is what we will try to bring into focus right now in the Fast Five at Five-ish. It's time for the Fast Five at Five-ish. Five fast-paced, quick-witted things you need to know right now. Number five. So multiple truths can exist, and that's this. The way the Denver Broncos have handled the Russell Wilson situation by threatening to bench him after the October 31st game against the Kansas City Chiefs and, or the late October game, threatening to bench him on October 31st, if he did not defer $37 million of injury guarantee, is kind of a skeezy way to go about things when you're talking about a quarterback that, uh, you know, has not been elite to that level financially, but has not necessarily been atrocious either by the standard of NFL quarterbacks. However, here are a couple of other truths. One is this. With every quarterback, whether it's one who's on the roster or a quarterback due for an extension, the question is, are they worth at least $40 million per year? And now, if it's a really good one, at least $50 million per year. Because that's the going rate for solid quarterbacks is about $40 million a year. Daniel Jones, Kirk Cousins, Ryan Tannehill, those calibers. And elite quarterbacks... Those that are like Burrow, Herbert, uh, Lamar Jackson, and who's the other one who got the extension um, in the offseason? Jalen Hurts. Yeah, well, hold on. Let me rephrase this. Daniel Jones not a good quarterback. I just want to throw it out there. No, no, but but but, <laughs> but, but mediocre quarterbacks get $40 million a year. Serviceable. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Starters. It's just like, you'd be like, how in the world, like, how is it, like, based off their season performance last season, like, there's no way to get that extension stuff. And the Broncos believing Russell Wilson $37 million. Now, here's the other part. I don't think Sean Payton ever really wanted him as a quarterback. I don't think that Russell Wilson ever really wanted to change his manner and behavior to conform for Sean Payton. So I don't think this match was ever going to work to begin with out in Denver. Um, you'll get a lot of media folks who always take the player side. I think, you know, like with a lot of failed relationships, equal blame goes both ways with two how shall we say this? Stubborn personalities in Peyton and Wilson, neither of whom seemed willing to bend, and therefore this was just not going to work. And you could tell by the combination from Drew Brees and Sean, Sean Payne how the relationship how the relationship ended in um in New Orleans. It was great, but Russell and Sean Payne was like kind of different. So it was like it's something that Russ not used to and everything. And I know I want to throw this out there. I know Sean Payne regrets signing with the Denver Broncos because I know he should have waited that one more year so he could be with the um, Chargers head coach and everything. That's a very good point about that as well, Ty, that uh, the Russell Wilson decision in moving. And, you know, I mean, look, if you're Sean Payton, yeah, you probably would have had a better chance with the Chargers. Uh, you know, for someone of that, that's a great point, by the way. Brings us to number four. If you're an elite coach out there, and Bill Belichick this offseason, Sean Payton previously, why don't you wait until the ideal opportunity opens up for you to be able to go in? If for some reason Mike Tomlin and Pittsburgh do not agree to an extension, he's got a year left after his contract in Pittsburgh. I, I, you know me. I'm pro-Tomlin as much as anyone and think they should extend him. But if for whatever reason they don't extend him in Pittsburgh and a separation becomes more imminent than you would think, if I'm a Tomlin or a Bill Belichick where it, it appears like that's going to happen in New England, why not wait until the right opportunity pops up and act for Sean Payton that's a great point as well Ty he was already a coaching free agent and he was sold after in prior off seasons there would have been opportunities for the Chargers with Justin Herbert this offseason potentially the Bears with the number one pick if they get rid of uh their head coach Matt Eberflus which signs seem to indicate Eberflus will come back but it, it, any of those options Dallas with the potential if they are, exit the playoffs early would they go that route 
why jump on what is a bad situation? Because in Denver, it's a much more challenging challenging one with the Russell Wilson because they're going to probably get rid of him after this season and they may trade him and take on some but not all of the cap hit, but it still is a mammoth charge that Denver is going to have to incur, which is going to inhibit their ability to rebuild more quickly. Plus, I feel like Sean Payne and Kellen Moore were actually getting along together because they some guys that love to score points and like it's a high-power offense. That's why I think Kellen Moore didn't get along with uh, Mike McCarthy in Dallas because Mike McCarthy was more like a run. He was a pass guy, but he was like, I got to run. I got to run game. I got to start the run game. I want to run the ball in certain situations and everything. Number three. Pivoting away from pro football to college football and an update on the transfer portal. Marshall, edge rusher Elijah Austin, entered the transfer portal about a week or so ago. Why in the world are we bringing that up? Miami has gotten involved. And if you got Miami involved, I wonder how many people, by the way, are just throwing Miami out there to increase the idea that they're serious about NIL to see what better programs will actually offer. But keep this in the back of your mind. Austin, Elijah Austin for Marshall. Guess who recruited him to Marshall? J.C. Price, Virginia Tech's. Defensive line coach. I was about, I was about coach. to say the same thing. Got to be J.C. Price. Got to yeah, be him. 100%. If you're looking at a business decision, I get NIL in the short term and wanting to get as much as you can. But at some point, do you say, hey, I, I want NIL, sure. And Tech has shown, though, seemingly they're in a good spot with NIL with the amount of players they've retained off of their roster. I don't think they give a lot out to high school players, but to transfers or established players in Blacksburg, it appears that they do more for them than I was, which honestly I think is a healthy approach because you're getting more proven commodities. But if you're in that spot, at some point, do you balance that with, okay, I get some NIL money now, but I also get to a spot which may showcase my abilities better for the next level. Yes, you may have to leave a little on the table in the short term, but if it boosts your draft stock and enhances your status long term, you've got a better chance of cracking the apple in the NFL, which as much NIL money may be thrown around in college, I don't believe this whole Marvin Harrison, he may get 20 to 25. That is not happening in college football. I I get a leverage play to an extent, but the guy's going to leave Ohio State because he will get more in the NFL as a top five draft pick than he will in any college NIL offer. And that is one thing that's going to hold true. So you got to temper that in the back of your mind if you're a player is how quickly you can get to that type of money. That's definitely true. Plus, you got to think about Marv Harrison probably is one of the best, like you said, top. he's not top five. He's like one of the best, best receivers coming out of, the, coming out of Ohio State and ending the draft this year. So I think it just kind of like, I feel like it just depends like what program you're in. But you got to think about it. Miami Hurricanes is a big program. It's a big football program, so I think it'll get boosted in NIL deals, though. And, and Miami, they've shown they will invest and pay for players, and they've done that basically ever since, well, before it was legal. And certainly now that it technically is allowed under NCAA, by the way, legal, we're not talking about legal in the law, court of law, we're talking about the NCAA's archaic court. But Miami has shown that they are willing to play that particular game when it comes to transfer. Speaking of... Number two. Liberty. We mentioned this a few weeks ago, but it's worth a refresher. Jonathan Bennett is a backup quarterback, not around for the Fiesta Bowl. He's going to the Citadel. I have no problem with that move. And I get why a guy like Kobe Singleton, um, excuse me, not Kobe Singleton, the other defensive back, the one who transferred to Colorado, um, is going from Liberty to Colorado with that particular money. I have no fault with anybody doing that at all because you've got a chance to boost your status. Bennett wants playing time, and he's got one more year left of it. And realistically, if the game gets out of hand, a backup could be playing for Liberty in the Fiesta Bowl against Oregon. Um, You like to play. I think you put a lot into the program, but this was never 
Jonathan Bennett's team this year the way it's been in prior years. So I understand that. And I also understand the Liberty changes as well when you've got other players that are entering the transfer portal. If they've been key contributors, it's one thing. If not, go ahead. And if you're not fully invested, don't keep them around, especially for as big as this is for Liberty to be in this game. Relatively speaking, it is a meaningless bowl game. Yeah, it's just like you could tell, like even like from the first few games, you could tell like this is one his team or none. So I think it's a good idea for him to enter the own transfer supporter see where he go go to. So it's like only thing like what scheme of offense will fit for him in the transfer, see where he'll go and what scheme of offense will fit for him and stuff. That's the only thing I'm trying. I'm worried about and everything. Understandably as well, I know less about what the Citadel scheme is, but I know Jonathan Bennett uh, has had ties to the South Carolina area, and that's. Home for him and family can see him play for a final year. And look, he's got a lot of high IQ stuff that would make him a good quarterback option at a place like the Citadel. Uh, and, I, you know, look, I, I root for nothing but the best for someone like that. By the way, it's Preston Hodge, who's the Liberty cornerback who transferred. Yeah, that's all I could remember. I, was, I remember. I can't remember the guy's name. I remember him, but I remember seeing him, but I just can't remember. Speaking of Colorado, you knew we couldn't end the year of a fast five at five ish without something about Colorado. Do you believe that? Huh? Oh, yes, you do believe. And number one on the Fast Five at Five-ish. Coach Prime is Sports Illustrated's 2023 Sports Person of the Year. My first question is, I mean, I got to go there with this. Did AI, artificial intelligence, help Sports Illustrated come to this conclusion, much like artificial intelligence helped Sports Illustrated write articles that didn't prove to be all that accurate in the last few months of their work so to speak um look coach prime gave a shot in the arm to college football early in the year he's brought exposure and despite the fact that colorado ended with a thud he will continue to bring exposure and be a topic of discussion into the offseason and next season as well presuming that all signs are validated the quarterback shador sanders will return to liberty or excuse excuse me will return to colorado not liberty he's not coming here but sports person of the year i mean Really? That that seems like a bit of a stretch with the way he built that particular program up and the amount of charitable work and endeavors that other athletes have taken on that have made an impact. I get it. You're trying to draw ratings and understandably negativity sales. I'm not saying Coach Prime is negativity, but I think there are other people that made a maybe better impact. But, I mean, hey, if you're talking about stories of the year, yeah, it's definitely up there. I mean, you got to think about what he did at Colorado. They, I mean, he turned the program around a little bit. I mean, the biggest weakness was up front. They was terrible up front on the defensive side and the offensive side of the ball. I mean, they got the best receiver core, probably the best skilled position people in the country right now. That's what I think because them guys can fly. But, I mean, they go come back. They come back next year. I think they're going to be a whole different program. I really believe that this will be a real shock for everybody and stuff. So, I can't wait to see that. I mean, you can't hate. It's Dion. He's going to. He's going to show out no matter what. They're going to put him his front page on anything. So when we ask the question, the the answer for you is not, it is a definitive yes. Fast Five at Five-ish. Pivoting away from Colorado and back to the Liberty Flames, among other topics, we get a chance to give you some projections right now in our Votes of Confidence. Nothing provides the intended inspiration quite like a vote of confidence. The confidence I think that the team has. You know, winning makes you feel good, makes you confident. Now, here's our votes of confidence inspiring you with the certainty you're seeking. Oh, yes, we are going to make you wait for Liberty and Oregon in our projections for that particular matchup. Instead, we're going to go in somewhat chronological order with college football. That includes games tomorrow. 
UGA, Georgia, 20-point favorite against Florida State. Uh, I, I Look, to me, it's a 44-point spread. I honestly don't touch it because I don't think Florida State is going to score much at all. Georgia is going to dominate in this game. I, I know it's gotten steamed up from a 14-point favor to a 20-point favor for Georgia. But here's the thing. I trust Georgia's backups even with players opting out. They built this program over a long period of time. Florida State has improved their talent base under Mike Norvell. But by and large, they brought a lot of transfers in. And when those guys decided to leave, and I, I don't fault them at all because the playoff committee said your season did matter, why would you risk injury if you're a Florida State player? Again, I don't fault anybody for leaving, but I, I mean, I think it's 100% reasonable to question where their buy-in is. Whereas with Georgia, a lot of these guys are coming back and it's a chance to build on next year. Um, if I'd lay the 20 right now with Georgia. And to be quite frank, if that number drops at any point in the early portion of the game, I would lay it again with Georgia because I think they're going to route Florida State. I definitely agree with you on that. There's no ifs and buts about it, so it's definitely going to be a huge blowout game for Georgia. Other college football games of note, including the college football playoff momentarily, but we'll pivot to basketball tomorrow as well. Two local teams in action. One, Virginia, a a 9.5-point favorite at Notre Dame, an over-under of 114. Full confession, I'm not quite in peak prognostication mode for college basketball but I'll throw this out there while this is a road game Virginia has done well on the road against inferior teams especially in higher motivation spots and I know Virginia just won against Morgan State the other night but their last road game they were routed at Memphis granted Memphis is much better than Notre Dame but this is a game where Virginia I think can control the flow and win fairly handily I like Virginia even with the big number at nine and a half a three plus possession game at nine and a half I like Virginia I like the under 114 because I think Virginia can control the flow of this and question how much Notre Dame's actually going to be able to score I go I go one possession game and I think it'll be I think it'll be under I just feel like it's gonna be under so we differ a little bit there Trey's got under 114 with me but he thinks Notre Dame covers meanwhile Virginia Tech is at Wake Forest Deeks, three and a half point favorite, over under of 143 and a half. I know this is chalk to take the favorite in the over, but Virginia Tech's defense has not yet found its form against better teams. Wake Forest is not a great defensive team either, but they can score and Tech has struggled there. I'll take Wake to cover and I like the over under of 143 and a half. Pivoting back to the football because there's action tomorrow on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app. Detroit, Dallas, Cowboys, five and a half point favorite, over under of 52, tie. Detroit just won their division for the first time in almost three, in over three decades. Now they have to go to Dallas, who's reeling after losses. I'm not a Cowboys fan, but I like Dallas. Dallas will give up some points, and I think Detroit can score. But I don't think Detroit is going to be all that emotionally ready for this game in terms of their full level of attention and preparation. It's a classic letdown spot. Again, very public to take the Cowboys and the over in points in a high point total game. But I am going to take the cheese on that one in the game that you can hear starting at 7.30 tomorrow night on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app. I'm picking the Lions. I think it'll be, I think it's going to be an under game because it's def, it's going to be a tight game in Jerry World, but I feel like the Lions go pull it off and stuff. So I'm going to go under on this one. Meanwhile, your Sunday NFL triple header starts with Arizona at Philadelphia, 11.5 point favor to the Eagles. Over under a 48 and a half. Look, uh, Philadelphia, the Giants should have been a get right spot. I, I like Arizona in this. They have so many holes in certain areas. Kyler Murray could make it interesting for both teams with points. And of course, Philly, they've given up points. So I'll take Philly again in the over 48 and a half. Trey is going to be amazed that I'm taking overs and the favorites with big monies this frequently. But that may change momentarily because Pittsburgh and Seattle. 
I like Pittsburgh to cover as a three and a half point underdog, and I think it fits the narrative of a Pittsburgh game. They may not win outright, but it goes under the 41 point total because that is how a lot of Steelers games have been played. Game three of our triple header on Sunday, which starts at 1230 on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app. Green Bay at Minnesota. It's a pick 'em. I'll take Minnesota even with a new quarterback in Jaron Hall. Home advantage, Green Bay, it's their second game on the road. Uh, and an over-under of 43-and-a-half, again, with inexperienced quarterbacks. I actually think these are two quarterbacks good for giving the ball to the other team and creating offense, which is why I go over 43-and-a-half. I agree with you on that one. I'd definitely go over 43 on that one. I mean, the, and don't get me wrong, the the Packers is going through right now, Matt LaFleur, but still, Jordan Love is a he's an art core, but I still feel like the Vikings the Vikings defense will put a lot of pressure on Jordan Love and make him feel uncomfortable in the pocket so I'm still I'm still good with the Vikings on this one alright to Monday's games we go everyone's been waiting for these but not yet college football playoff Bama a one and a half point favorite over under of 45 excuse me Bama a one and a half point underdog to Michigan over under of 45 I'll go ahead and tell you what I did I don't really have a conviction on the total but I'll probably lean under 45 because this has the feel of a rock fight and I think these games generally play that way I've got Bama I took most of it at plus one and a half I put a little bit on the money line of my $30 bet so I kind of split it a little bit uh 20 bucks on Bama to cover another 10 on the money line with a little bit of extra value there for Alabama Nick Saban with as much preparation. Uh, it's a different level of speed. And Michigan against Ohio State struggled in that scenario. Meanwhile, uh, this is my bigger conviction. I've got Texas minus four against Washington. I think Texas wins this fairly handily. I think Washington can score. But there will come points where Texas's interior pass rush is something Washington has not faced yet this year. And they can make enough plays to get stops on Michael Penix and Washington I like the over 63 and a half, but I take Texas as a big one in this matchup. I like Texas at minus four. You took the words out of my mouth about Texas, and I think they definitely, I feel like they go, they definitely go dominate this game, especially, like you said, the interior line. They is really good. So that's why I was like, I don't think Washington's not ready up front to face against Texas and stuff. Meanwhile, the game everyone's been waiting to hear our projections on Liberty against Oregon, over under of 68, nine and a half, and 16 and a half for the first half and the game lines. We're going to do a catch on this. We'll discuss that and offer our projections after John Manson from Messiahred.com joins us next here in the Fast Lane on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app.